I, uh, I am a big fan of uh, wrestling. Yeah, whoo, yeah. I, yeah, there we go. <laughs> you wrestlers too. Uh, I'm a big fan of wrestling. And, uh, and so today, as I was thinking through today's uh, text and I was reading through today's text in Genesis chapter 37, that's where we will be because we're talking about Joseph's coat of many colors. And so I could only think of uh, Ric Flair uh, whenever I, uh, oh yeah, yeah, woo, yeah. And, and so I, th- these are some things that I thought about. I actually wore my Ric Flair socks. Look, see, I have Ric Flair socks. See those? Got those on camera? Excellent. Uh, yeah, I wore my Ric Flair socks specifically because Ric Flair would wear a coat of many colors uh, many times when he would come out to wrestle. So whenever we think about this, or when, when I think about this anyway, when I think about Joseph's coat of many colors, I'm always thinking about something that Ric Flair would wear. And I'm sure that's probably, uh, I'm sure that's probably sacrilegious in some way. Somebody would probably kick me out of being a pastor if I actually said that out loud anywhere else. But I guess it's out for the internet to see now. So uh, anyway, hey, I... Um, You'll probably think about that from now on whenever you read this text uh, going forward. Genesis chapter 37, and we're going to pick up really where Heath left off uh, a couple of weeks ago. He preached the first part of this text a few weeks ago, and then I'm going to pick up where it picks up in chapter uh, 37, verse 12. I have it on the screen if you don't have a, a Bible, or you can follow along with me, or use your Bible with me in Genesis chapter 37. This is what the text says. Now, his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he said to him, here I am. So he said to him, go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock and bring me word. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron and he came to Shechem. And a man found him wandering in the fields and a man asked him, what are you seeking? He said, I'm here seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where are they pasturing the flock? And the man said, they have gone away, for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. Verse 18, they saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. This takes a quick turn, right? Verse 19, they said to one another, here comes the dreamer. Come now. Let us kill him and throw him in one of the pits. Then we'll say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued uh, him out of their hands, saying, let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to their father." So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that Ric Flair wears, and he wrote uh, that he wore. And and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat, and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, what profit, it, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our only flesh, and his brothers listened to him. Then Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit. He tore his clothes, and he returned 
uh, to his brothers and said, the boy is gone and I, where shall I go? Then they took Joseph's robe and slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in blood. They set the robe of many colors and brought it to their father and said, this is what we found. Please identify whether it is your son's robe or not. He identified it and said, it is my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. Jacob tore his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son for many days. All his sons and all his daughters rose up to, confront, to, to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, no, I shall go down to Sheol for my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. Let me pray for us. We'll jump into this. God, we love you. We need you. Holy Spirit, today, as I stand here to preach from your words, these are your words, O oh God, use me today to bring life and hope, a message of life and hope to people today. Do a good work here, Spirit. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, verse 18 says this. They saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. <clears throat> they agreed to kill Listen, they agreed together to kill their brother. Just let that sink in for just a few moments. They agreed together to kill their brother. Now, I know that some of you don't have the strongest family relationships, you may not have grown up in the ideal situation, or, or, or even maybe you might not even like your siblings. I don't need an amen there. But can you imagine getting to the point where you would actually want to kill your brother? I mean, like to literally take his life? I mean, what would they have to do to you to want you to... to to have you want to kill them. I mean, what did Joseph do? I mean, that's really the question, right? What, what did Joseph do to cause them to want to kill him? Let's look back at the earlier text just to remind us what got us here to this particular place. Verse three of uh, chapter 37 says this. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons. If you're a writer in your Bible, your highlighter, you might want to underline that in verse three. Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the son of his old age and he made him a Ric Flair robe, I mean, a robe of many colors. He made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that he's, his, their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not, would not speak, speak peacefully. Could not, would not speak peacefully. Would not, could not, on a boat. All right. Would not, could not, with his fancy coat. No, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Verse five. This, this is a serious text. Sorry. Now, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him, say this, even more. They hated him even more. So they hated him already, and now they hated him even more. Where, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. We, we, like, we like that here, right? Where they hated Joseph, now they hated him even more, okay? Verse six, he said to them, 
hear this dream that I've dreamed. So this is Joseph telling them his dream, verse seven. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, ringing in the sheaves, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him, what? Even more. So they hated him, and then they hated him even more, and now they hated him even more. Okay? Hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Verse 9, then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, behold, I've dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, even the stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father, to his brothers, his, bro- his father rebuked him, saying to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in his mind. And that's the text that where this all came from, from, our, from that got us into our text today. So what was Joseph's great sin against his brothers? Well, one, he was loved by his father, Okay. He was loved by his father. He was the favorite son. And so I know in some of your families, all of your kids probably go, hey, there's, there's a favorite kid in here, and we all know who the favorite one is, right? We have that argument in my house all the time. You know, everybody likes to decide who's the favorite kid, and they always point to different people, and this is the favorite, and that's the favorite, and this is definitely not the favorite. You know, uh, that's, that's an easier one to pick out, right? Um, uh, I, but there are people are always doing that. But, but his sin was that he loved his father and he was his favorite son. And, and then he had dreams. Now, dreams, mind you, this is something that, that he, the visions that he had seen. The first was about sheaves in the field. And the field where his brother's sheaves bowed down to his sheaves. And, and so sheaves are like a bundle of grain stalks. That's what that is, in case you don't know what that is. And so he didn't mention his brothers by name or he just shared the dream with them about what had happened to him. And so there's definitely significance to these dreams that he had for sure, but they didn't know this at the time. They didn't know what those dreams meant at the time. He just shared what his dreams were. And so you get to verse 19 and they say this. They said to one another, here comes the dreamer. Here he comes. Look at him. There's a dreamer. Y'all all make, make up nicknames for one another. Y'all, y'all have that in your families? Like, you know, here's this person. This, here's, that was Joseph's name. Here comes the dreamer. And so in an effort to kind of soothe their own consciences about what they were doing, uh, they began to disparage Joseph by calling him names. See, they had these thoughts about Joseph. And so to ease their own mind, They started calling Joseph names. If I assign a name to Joseph, then it makes me feel better about what I'm feeling, right? If I can assign a motive to, I'm going to assign a motive to him, it's going to make me feel better about what I'm saying about him. That probably wasn't the most prudent decision of Joseph to share his dreams with his brothers. I mean, he, he was already seen as the favorite child and probably wasn't the smartest thing in the world for him to go, hey, let me tell you about these dreams where things are bowing down to me. It was already evident that Israel, his father, loved Joseph more than he did his other sons, and these dreams didn't help at all. And so here's a word of wisdom to you as we kind of think through this text. Sometimes what? Silence is golden. Sometimes silence is golden. If you're watching me online or you're listening to me here, sometimes silence 
is golden. Sometimes it's just best to stick a Ric Flair sock in it. Everyone doesn't need to know everything you know. Let me say that again. Everyone doesn't need to know everything you know. Everyone doesn't need to know everything that you're doing on social media. Oh, preacher, you're getting close to home now, right? That's what we do. That's what you do. That's what I do. We put everything we know on social media. Why do we put it on social media? Because we want everybody to know everything we're doing. If it's good, we want everybody to know where we've been. We, I want you to know I've been to the vacation. I, here's, here's one of the pictures I cannot stand on social media is for some dude to be laying on the beach and his nappy feet in the picture right up in here in front, like the ocean's back there, it looks really nice, and his old ugly hairy feet are up in the picture. <laughs> Do not take that picture. Girls, if y'all want to take your picture there, that's fine. Y'all's feet look fine, but dudes with your hairy legs and ugly toes, stop taking that picture. Stop taking that picture. That is not a picture anybody wants to see. If you do it, I will rebuke you publicly on social media from now on. I was, I was preached about this. You are the person I was talking about. I don't want to see your ugly feet. But everybody doesn't need to know everything you're doing on social media. I don't need you. I, you don't need me bragging about whatever I've got going on. You don't need to know the fact that I've just painted a new thing in my house. I just painted my bedroom in my house. I just got a new coffee maker. You don't need to know that. Look what I had for dinner. I'm keto. Nobody, nobody cares. I just finished my workout. I'm sweaty. Nobody wants to know that. Can I, amen? All right, see, did you hear everybody amen that one? Nobody wants to know all that. James 1.19 says this. Here, I, this, this is biblical. Know this. My beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Why, why don't y'all write that down? Or just go over to James and just underline it in your Bible. Quick to speak, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. What that means is quick to hear. That means, listen, you've heard it said before, God gave you what? Two what? Ears and one mouth. He wants you to listen twice as much as he wants you to speak. Y'all need to listen to that. Be quick to hear. People, listen, you want to you uh, 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 make an impression with people? Shut your mouth and listen to what it is they have to say. You want to make an impact with people? Shut your mouth and Listen. Be interested in what somebody else has to say. Listen with your ears. Be slow to speak. That literally means zip it. Slow to speak. If somebody says something and you're ready to come back, just pump the brakes. Think about what you're going to say. Think about how you're going to respond. How is this going to affect them? Are they going to receive this well? Is this uplifting to what it is that I'm going to say to them? Am I about to tear somebody down? Am I about to rip somebody apart with my words? Slow 
slow, slow to speak. Quick to hear, slow to speak. Slow to anger. Doesn't do anybody good if you get mad really quick. Slow to anger. Anger puts us in a whole different realm where we do some things that we regret. The major contributor to things like this is group speak. That's what happened in our text. Group speak happened in our text. You know what group speak is, right? Where there's some things that are going on around you and you may feel that way, but you're not gonna say anything, but there's a group that comes around you and more people come around and this person starts to say that thing and somebody else starts to say it and you, you kind of feel that way, but you're not gonna say it. And then somebody else says it and you, you kind of find yourself jumping right in the middle of it, right? And, and so suddenly I'm caught up in the middle of all these people saying this same thing over and over again. That, that's what happened here. Let's kill this guy. Let's kill my brother. Let's actually kill him. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. That's what happened. They were so mad. Nobody might have been willing to say it, but all the brothers together, group speak started happening. Listen to me. Group speak can be dangerous. You've got to be careful about the people you surround yourself with. Group speak can be dangerous. Group speak can be divisive. Usually what it does is not bring us together. Seldom does it bring us together. It usually divides us. So it can be dangerous, divisive, and lastly, it can be deadly. What happened here? They would have killed our brother. Group speak can be dangerous, divisive, and deadly. Be careful in groups. Think for yourselves. Remember the scriptures. Remember, this is why you come. This is why it's so important to be trained in the scriptures, for you to learn the scriptures over and over, for it is the thing that will be controlling your minds. What we put in is usually what comes out. Prepare yourself. The Bible says, gird yourself up. Gird yourself. Prepare yourself. With the scripture, you should read the scriptures, the helmet of salvation, the, the breastplate of righteousness. Learn truth. Don't fall into this type of dangerous, divisive, and deadly thinking. All right, let's keep going. Verse 20 said this. They said, come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him and we will see what will become of his dreams. And, and so this was their plan. Kill him, dispose of his body, make up a story that a wild animal ate him, and that uh, will kill his dreams. As I was kind of writing this, I was thinking about Keith Morrison from Dateline. Like he was writing this, he'd be like, he, if he were saying this, he would be like, kill him, dispose of his body, make up a story that a wild animal killed him. That killed the dreamer. That's Dateline. Yeah, and then you go into the Datelines. That's what it felt like as I was, th- that's what it felt like whenever I was reading this. But can you hear the hatred in their voice? Can you hear the jealousy in their voice? Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we'll say that a fierce animal has devoured him and we'll see what has become of his dreams. See, they really could have learned a lot from Joseph in his dreams but they schemed against the one they should have been learning from. Can you hear that demonic influence? See, listen, church, we all have an enemy. Listen to me. You all have an enemy. You have an enemy. 
Satan's desire is for your destruction. John chapter 10, verse 10 says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I came that they may have eternal life and have it abundantly. Your enemy is out to steal from you, kill you, destroy you. Jesus is out to give you life. Polar opposites in what uh, a, a desire for your soul, for your life, for your health, for your, for, for your well-being. So when you find yourself in, in the middle or in the mindset of where Joseph's brothers are, destruction and hatred and envy, just know that sin is lurking around you. Sin is lurking close by you, waiting to devour you, waiting to encompass you, waiting to overtake you. You find yourself in that mindset. When you do, you're not operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, but under the influence of a dark and destructive wooing of Satan. Don't live in that space, church. Don't live in that space. The text goes on and says this in 21. When Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands saying, let us not take his life. Let's don't do that. His brother came to his rescue and was like, let's don't kill him. And Reuben said to him, shed no blood, throw him into this pit over here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him that he might rescue, because he said, because Reuben wanted to rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. That was Reuben's plan. Don't kill him, throw him in this pit. And Reuben's plan was, I'll come back and get him later and give him back to the father, to our father. And, and so Reuben was like, let me, let me find another solution to what you guys are doing here. And so he was trying to be a bright spot in the middle of the calamity that happened to be going on. And, and this is the kind of courage we need from men and women. We need you to be that kind of courageous person. They'll be willing to stand against all odds. Reuben had a plan that despite all the vitriol that was being spewed around by his brothers, he wanted to do the right thing. He at least was trying to make some type of effort. And so church, we need to set our minds today. Ask the Spirit to help us today. Ask the Spirit to know that we're going to find ourselves in some situations like this where we need to be able to stand in the middle of all the vitriol going on around us. To stand. Maybe you need to ask another brother or sister to go, hey, if nobody else will stand, I'm going to stand and I want you to stand with me. Will you stand? If you're at work with somebody else, you know there are other followers of Jesus at your work and you go, you know what? It's tough here. It's, it's a tough environment we live in. Can, can we stand together? Will you, will you help me stand? And I'll help you stand in the middle of some really bad situations we found ourselves in. To be courageous when the trials come because we know they will. Find somebody, find a brother or sister so you're not going it alone. Verse 23 says this, so when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. And so they stripped him of his robe. They took that big flashy robe off that he wore, this robe of many colors, and they threw him into a pit. And so this robe was a sign of the father's favor, right? That's what the text told us, that the father had given him this robe, and, and, and so that was a sign of his favor, and so they were ripping it off of him, and, and so I'm sure the brothers enjoyed that, because they knew that this was a gift from their father, they knew that he was the favorite son, and he had bestowed this robe on him, and so can you imagine the, the pleasure they probably took in doing that? Yeah, just the pleasure they took in taking it off. See, there's a... Uh, 
We have to be careful with that, even in the church today. That we don't start despising those around us. That we want to rip off things that are doing, uh, others that are doing good in our church family. Things that are happening and, and success that is happening and, and, and ministry success and, and where we see, man, God at working in and around some people that we don't get jealous of them. And we want to disparage them. That's the last thing we need to do as a church family. Let's be people who rejoice with those who rejoice. Let's be a people who celebrate the work of the Lord in other people's lives. See, it's okay for us to look at other churches and go, man, the Lord's at work there. It's okay for us to look at other Christians and go, man, I see the Spirit doing a great work there. Let, let's, let's encourage those brothers and sisters over there. It's okay for us to give them a thumbs up and go, man, we're for you guys. You're for the kingdom and we're for you. We should be people that operate that way. What volumes will it speak to a cynical world around us whenever we celebrate one another? You for me and me for you and us for one another. Us for others. To hear Jesus, to meet Jesus, to know Jesus. Man, what a great thing it is whenever we see other pastors and they go, man, we had 14 baptisms today. Rather than being envious of what they're doing, we should go, man, I'm glad to see that. Lord, do it here. Just to grow the kingdom. Verse 25 says this. They sat down to eat, and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh, and on their way to carry it down to Egypt. And so the interesting thing here is, right after they'd done this, can you imagine what was happening with Joseph? I mean, what would Joseph have been doing at this time? So think about what's happened to him. That he's come to the brothers, and they've taken him, they've stripped him of his clothing, and they've thrown him into this pit. What would he be doing? Huh? Yeah, he'd be freaking out, right? What, might, what else might he be doing? Hollering, help! Get me out of here! What are you doing? Hey, brothers, Reuben, where you at? Get me out of here! This is not funny anymore! Right? That's what he'd been doing. But they, what did the brothers do? They sit down and have some cheeseburgers. They sit down for a meal. Just sat down. Somebody yelling over here, screaming over here, get out deep in this pit. Their brother, they sit down to have a meal. They could eat while Joseph is yelling out in this pit. They could sit down and enjoy food while their hearts were bent on murdering their brother. Hey, let's finish this meal so we can get on to killing the brother. Later, in Genesis chapter 42, uh, we'll get to that a little bit later, it describes the conviction of sin that they kind of ignored in the moment. Uh, uh, in that passage, the brother said this, we are truly guilty concerning our brother for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us and we would not hear, therefore the distress has come upon us. They recognized it. We could hear the distress in his voice and we ignored it. Joseph was cast in the pit pled with his brothers, and they ignored his cries as they ate their meal. It shows the depravity of our human hearts. And we see that all around. We think, boy, that was terrible. I, I remember back in the 90s. Do you remember uh, 
Uh, you remember Susan Smith? You remember that name? She's the one that um, uh, drowned her kids and then just lied to the whole country. I mean, she was just as smooth and cool as a cucumber. And she was like, yeah, I don't know what in the world has happened to them. And I don't know where they are. And she put on this big dog and pony show. And she literally just drowned her children. The depravity of the human heart is deep. The deceitfulness of our human heart is real. Your heart is deceitful. My heart is deceitful. If we just listen to our own hearts, follow your hearts is a terrible uh, piece of advice. Our hearts in and of themselves are deceitful. We see it playing itself out here in our text today. Verse 26 says this, Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? So Judah's a little bit coming to his senses. And then in 27 he says, Come, instead of killing him, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh, and his brothers listened to him. And so Judah was like, all right, let's don't kill him, but let's do something else with him. Let's just sell him. And, and so for a handful of silver, they sold their brother. Sound familiar? Ishmaelites took him off to Egypt. They took him off like Nick De La Cruz and Dustin Gaskins taking away a dining room furniture yesterday. Hey, yo. You should have seen those guys packing that up on a truck. That's what I pictured. They were like, you know, a bunch of people with, I, I was looking for a good picture and I didn't get one, but they had it all stacked up. And that was my picture of them riding off with all that furniture and they, uh, they, they might've taken him with him. That was my picture of it last night. Then, then we get to more deception. Look what the text says. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes. So you see, that's what they do. He like tore his clothes and, and that's a, we'll talk about that. It's a sign of anguish and and sadness, and he, he tore his clothes. Typically, they would rip their shirts, uh, like Clark Kent would open his, but they were ripping it in, in anguish. Uh, in verse 30, uh, and he returned to his brothers and said, the boy is gone, and I, where shall I go? They took Joseph's robe and slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in blood, and they sent the robe of many colors and brought it to their father and said, this is what we found. Please identify whether this is your son's robe or not. I don't know. Is this it? We've never seen this before. We couldn't recognize it. Is this it? And he identified it and said, this is my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is without, torn to pieces. Jacob tore his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son that day. All his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, no, I shall go to Sheol to my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. So his father was like, you know what? I, I'll just, I'll, I should just die too. If my son is dead, that's, I should die too. And so, so Reuben was distraught when he came back because he really wanted to rescue his brother. He didn't want his brother to fall into the hands of what his other brothers were wanting to do to him. And, and, and so he, he gave this kind of weak sauce uh, uh, excuse of trying to rescue him, but he didn't put a whole lot of effort into to rescuing him, but he really wanted him to. And he said, you know, Joseph may as well be dead though because uh, his father who loved him would never see him again. The brothers continued the deception that they started because they slaughtered an animal and put all that blood on the, on the robe and they brought it back like, I don't, I've never seen this robe before. Could this be his? Of course it was. Jacob tore his clothes again because he was reacting in sadness and horror to what had happened to his son. Jacob began to mourn his death and then the text ends up telling us that Joseph sold um, was sold to Potiphar's wife. And Potiphar was an officer in Pharaoh's army. And so the question becomes, so what? So what do we do now with all this? 
How do we treat this text? And how do we take today's text and do something today? Well, first is this. Sometimes silence is golden. Okay? Sometimes silence is golden. Think back to Joseph. There are many times when you just don't need to say anything. There are many times when you just don't need to say anything. There are times that you just don't need to share information. There are times that you need to ask the Lord to set a guard over your mouth and keep watch over the door of your lips. That's a scripture, by the way. I've prayed it many times. Lord, set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I don't want to say anything I shouldn't say. I don't want to reveal anything I shouldn't reveal. I I don't want to speak something into this situation that's going to make it worse. I'm not, if you're not sure if this is you, ask a good friend. Ask a good friend if, hey, do I talk too much? You, do I never shut up? Do I speak too much? Do I tell too much information? Am I somebody that you would consider as a gossip? We don't ever ask that question. You know why? Because we don't want to know. Ask somebody. Hey, good friend, this is your opportunity to be honest. So be honest. So sometimes silence is golden. Sometimes silence is deadly. Think back to the brothers. There are times when you must speak up, church. There are times that it is prudent for you to say something. When someone is being harmed, don't allow group speak to derail you from doing what you know is right. There are times that it is imperative that you step into a situation. When someone is being attacked, be willing to step in. Even if your voice goes unheard, be willing to be the one who steps in. Take the heat in their place. Despite what may come, that is the gospel response. What do you mean, preacher? Standing in the place of someone else is the gospel response. Taking the vitriol for someone else, taking the ridicule for someone else, taking the heat for someone else, standing in the gap for someone else is what Jesus did for you and me. See, Jesus took all the wrath of the Father so that you and I didn't have to take it, and that's what it means to be standing in the place for somebody else. And so whenever we do that, we're exhibiting gospel uh, of fruits of what it means that the Spirit lives within us. I'll take the heat for somebody else. When the Greek speak is speaking against someone else, be the one to stand in even if you take a bunch of shots. That's a beautiful picture of the gospel. It's It's hard to understand that in today's culture. It is countercultural today because the culture says, just gang up on everybody. When a man's down, you may as well kick him. The gospel says the very opposite of that. Stand in the place and be kicked for somebody on the ground. Stand in the place so this person has a chance. See, wisdom is to know when to speak and when to be silent. We can... can, Listen to this story and 
shake our heads and go, how in the world does this happen? How in the world could somebody have such hatred for their brother that they would do this to them? They would allow this kind of thing to happen. How could in the world could somebody so violently or, or so brought, bring so much deception to a person? See, we may not actually kill somebody or plan to kill somebody, but the truth is, Jesus says that when we that we murder people in our hearts regularly. Whenever we hate people, or we despise people, or we detest people, or we have resentment toward people, or we have hostility towards others, or we have ill will towards others, then we bring hatred, which means we're murdering them in our own hearts. First John chapter 4, verse 10, you should know this. This is what it says. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he's a liar. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. I'll say it more clearly. If you say, I love God and hate your brother, you are a liar. Text goes on to say this. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot, say cannot, cannot love God whom he has not seen. That's strong words. That is straight from the scripture. That's John writing those. It says, if you hate your brother, if you hate your brother and you say you love God, you're just a liar. Because you can't hate somebody who you see and say that you love someone that you haven't seen. Listen, followers of Jesus. Let us be people, I've said this already, let us be people who rejoice with those who rejoice. You know, some people, they, they talk about things that are going on in their life and, and we go, sometimes we go, man, would you just shut up? You know, you do it. I don't, but you do. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, we all do, right? We all do it. We say, man, would you just be quiet? I, instead of doing that, next time go, man, I'm, that's awesome. Rejoice with them. Throw a little mini party. Throw a little celebration with him. Go, give him a high five. Then you walk away. But I mean, give him a high five. Celebrate with him. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Celebrate the work of the Lord in people's lives. We, we, we said it here at Refuge for a long time. We don't celebrate what the Lord's doing here enough. We, we don't put people up here and go, man, let me tell you what God's doing right here. Let me tell you what God's doing in this gospel community group. Let me tell you what God's doing in this particular man's life. Let me tell you what this happened with this woman. Let me tell you about this student. Let me tell you what the work of God's doing. We're, we're going to do more of that. You're going to see more of that because we need to rejoice with one another. We need to celebrate what God's doing in each of our lives a little bit more. And be quiet enough to listen to what other people have to say. Guard your heart against ungodly desires and actions, lest we fall too into some type of deadly sin. One last thought. Even in the midst of all this horror, so, so think back to Joseph now, okay? Put yourself in Joseph's place. Even in the midst of all this horror, God did not depart from Joseph. God had not abandoned Joseph. He had not turned his back on Joseph. Uh, in some ways, the story will get worse. And even when it does, God is still with Joseph. 
God is working not only for Joseph himself, but also for the larger purpose of God's redemptive plan. Okay? There's a bigger plan in place. Sometimes we can't see what God is doing. We don't understand why God brings sorrow into our life or despair, or, or difficulty, or times that we under, don't understand why everybody seems to be against us, and why we're receiving all this stuff, and it's hard to live this way because and nothing seems to be going my way, and, and everybody seems to be against me. We don't understand sometimes what God is doing, but God is always working. Just like he was working in Joseph's life, he works in mine and your lives in the same way. We can thank God for his great plan. See, if, brother, if Joseph's brothers never sold him to the Midianites, then Joseph never goes to Egypt. And if Joseph never goes to Egypt, Joseph never is sold to Potiphar. And if he's never sold to Potiphar, then Potiphar's wife never falsely accuses, her, accuses him of raping her. And if Potiphar's wife never falsely accuses him of rape, then he never gets put in prison. And if he never gets put in prison, he never meets the baker and the butler to Pharaoh. And if he never meets the baker and the butler to Pharaoh, he never interprets their dreams. And if he never interprets their dreams, he never gets to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. And if he never interprets Pharaoh's dreams, he never gets made prime minister. If he never made prime minister, he never wisely administrates for the severe famine that's coming up in the region. See where this is going? And if he never wisely administrates for the severe famine that comes upon the region, his family in back in Canaan perishes because they die of hunger. His family back in uh, Canaan perishes from the famine, then the Messiah can't come from a dead family. And if the Messiah can't come forth, then Jesus never comes. And if Jesus never came, you're dead in your sins and without hope. But all this did happen. And Jesus did come to save sinners like you and me. Sinners like Joseph's family. Sinners like we all are. No matter the depth of your sin, God's love is still greater still. Still deeper still. God is working all around us for the purpose of his redemptive plan. Despite what it may look like, God is always working around us for the purpose of his redemptive plan. There'll be redemption and salvation in this story, and there can be redemption and salvation in your life. How does it happen? By turning to Jesus. That's where all this is, all this is pointing. We just sh showed that. That the, that the Messiah will come. And in our case, the Messiah has come. And he brings hope and redemption no matter what you've done. You may be like the brothers and have hatred in your heart towards someone. Vitriol in your mouth towards others. There is hope and forgiveness for you, just like there was for me and just like there was for many in this room who are already followers of Jesus. Where our sin runs deep, God's love runs deeper still. Let me pray for us.